It's Friday, the 16th of December, 2022. The last word in podcasting news. This is the Pod News Weekly Review with James Cridlin and Sam Sethi. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News. And I'm Sam Sethi, the host of Sam Talks Technology. In the chapters today, Spotify's 2022, Apple's 16.2 changes, greater adoption of OP3, and lots of highlights of 22 and predictions for 23. This podcast is sponsored and hosted by Buzzsprout. Last week, 3,248 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. Podcasting hosting made easy with powerful tools and remarkable customer support. From your daily newsletter, the Pod News Weekly Review. But first, James, let's start off. There is still a little bit of news in 2022, surprisingly. Spotify is putting out some more trends, it seems, for 2022. Uh, It says if the story for 2021 was a content explosion, then 2022 is one of diversification. What are they talking about, James? Well, they're talking very much around their podcasts, uh, which is exciting um, to have a full podcast trends report. They end up saying that the time spent listening to podcasts via Spotify in car has more than doubled. Smart speakers, smart TVs have seen more than 80% increases. Health and fitness is the fastest growing category on Spotify in four of the largest markets. French listeners more than trebling the amount of time that they listen to health and fitness podcasts. I wonder whether that's just that there's a really interesting health and fitness podcast in the uh, platform. Who knows? And chartable data suggests that true crime is the most effective genre for cross-promotion, which is interesting. I wonder why that might be. No idea on that one, personally. But I was thinking, given your radio background and mine, in car, I mean, I do listen to podcasts in car. I I very rarely listen to, apart from talk radio stations. Um, Is podcasting finally biting into the radio audience? I think podcasting has been biting into the radio audience for some time. There's some really good research, which I link to occasionally from Pod News um, from Radio. It's called the Midas Study. And what that looks at is various things. But one of the um, uh, pieces of data in there is how many people are using podcasting or radio or, you know, Spotify, those sorts of music services at any given time during the day. And you can actually see that, particularly at breakfast time, which is supposed to be the big time for radio, uh, then you can see that nearly 50% of people are consuming podcasts at breakfast time. Radio is still massive. Radio is still considerably larger. Um, uh, But uh, about half of the audience of radio, I should say, uh, are listening to podcasts at breakfast time. So um, it's certainly getting there. And as you go in through the rest of the day, there is a point in the evening where more people are listening to podcasts than the radio. Uh, which I think is quite is quite interesting. Of course, Spotify will be delighted about that sort of data because um, Spotify see themselves very much as do Acast as against radio and pro on demand. Mm. And, and again, I just think, uh, have you managed to get the Alexa speaker to work really well with your flash briefing, your daily briefing? Um, not my Alexa speaker, because I don't um, have... Well, well, I do have one. It's in a drawer. Um, it's gathering dust. Ah, OK. Um, but but the Google one, uh, I use... Um, uh, yes, it, it does a daily briefing every single morning. It's the first thing that we hear as we wake up. I had to turn it away from the local ABC station because the, the local... Everybody's on holiday now because it's the big summer holiday here. Everybody's on holiday. Um, 
and uh, the, the person that they've put on the ABC Breakfast Show uh, here is um, suboptimal. So, <laughs> so, I've, so I've switched over to a mate of mine who's on one of the commercial stations. My goodness, the amount of commercials they play. Um, but yeah, so it, it works pretty well from that from that point of view, but only for certain shows. So it works well for the Pod News Daily podcast, for example, where we do very, very well out of that. But I can't imagine anybody consuming a long-form podcast like this on a smart speaker. Well, you'd be glad to know my Alexa morning brief when I get up in the morning. Good morning, Alexa. Plays your flash briefing. There you go. I hear you first thing in the morning. There's a lovely thing. Um, <laughs> moving on quickly, uh, coming back to uh, Spotify. Um, yes. Th- th- it's not all rosy in the garden, though. Uh, Spotify live shows, they've been spending quite a lot on live audio um, this year, and all of those are being cancelled, according to Ashley Carmen, a really good piece from her in Bloomberg. And Spotify is also, this was according to a Swedish tech website that I found and auto-translated, but Spotify is apparently telling its employees that they can't go to conferences in 2023, uh, they can't have any off-site meetings, they can't do non-essential travel. Um, All of that is being cut. There's a real cost-cutting thing going on at Spotify at the moment. We were talking earlier on this year about Acast um, really, you know, cutting down and making sure that they get into profit faster. And that appears to be what's going on in uh, Spotify as well. Has Elon Musk overnight taken over Spotify? Did I miss that? Oh, can you imagine it? Can you imagine <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm really gutted. Does that mean there's no Spotify party that I can break into this year at Vegas? Yes, because you managed to get in. They don't allow anybody from the press in, because uh, so, uh, they clearly hate us all. Uh, I wonder why that might be. So, um, But you, you, you managed to sort of permeate the, uh, yes. the Spotify... <laughs> defences didn't you that won't be happening again well they don't know who i am you see i'm not as famous as you so it's okay i just sort of sneak (laughs) in the back door anyway um spotify live being cancelled jane i mean they've only had it for 30 seconds and they did nothing with it i mean why cancel it yeah i mean they ended up buying i think this again is the big fault of the investment industry um, because investors are very keen that spotify would copy clubhouse and build its own clubhouse so spotify goes to build its own clubhouse or or buys a thing in uh, which they rebrand a spotify green room and then um, pull into the app itself Uh, and hey presto nobody uses it and uh, so uh, instead of giving it the benefit of the the doubt they end up closing it um, i think within uh, what within about 18 months i think in total I do wonder how much of this is actually just driven by uh, dumb uh, stock market analysts who basically turn around to Spotify and say, why aren't you investing in things like Clubhouse? And and Spotify says, all right, then go on then. Uh, And I wonder whether it's just a keeping your stock market price higher thing. Well, it may be, but I think they could have used it so well with new album launches, getting artists in getting them to talk about the album, play some live tracks, and then charging them with ticketing. Um, don't know. I just, that, that's how I would have used it. It would have been a great service. But hey, goodbye, Spotify Live. It was nice not knowing you. <laughs> now, moving on. Uh, Apple. Apple's been doing a few things. Um, Apple iOS 16.2 came out, well, uh, and also mm. on the uh, desktop updates and uh, iPad. Um 
they've clearly now changed something, James. They've made one massive little change. What have they done? <laughs> yes, it is one massive little change. Uh, if you used Apple Podcasts, which I don't, obviously, because it's not on Android, although they, they must be working on an Android app because they're not stupid. When you look at the Apple Podcasts app, um, up until last week, there was a plus button at the top, and the plus button was actually how you would subscribe or follow to a podcast. What they've done there is that they've changed that plus button. So uh, it still says plus on it, but it now has the magic word follow after it because they've realised that there's enough space in the UI uh, to be a little bit more obvious. So now that button is very clearly marked follow. And I noted that Spotify also uses follow. So between those two, more than two thirds of podcasts are being consumed on a service that uses the phrase follow. Now, quite a lot of us still use the phrase subscribe, come and subscribe to our podcast. Um, but of course, that's not necessarily the right wording, uh, given that two thirds of people are actually seeing the word follow. Listeners follow shows to add them to their library or receive new episodes or be notified when they're available. They can subscribe to support their favourite shows and unlock premium audio experiences, or at least that's what Apple would like us to, uh, to uh, think as well. So I posed the question, is it time, firstly, just to check that we are using the word follow and not subscribe? But also, secondly, should we be asking other podcast apps, Pocket Casts, for example, or Google Podcasts, to follow suit and to use the word follow instead of the word subscribe? What say you, Sam Sethi? Well, I'm going to have a little rant now. I think this is super short-sighted. Um, one of the things that I want to see in 2023, I'm jumping ahead slightly, but I'll, I'll pull myself back, is I want to see more social interactivity. I want comments. I want cross-comments. I want people to follow. The best way of discovery in podcasting is word of mouth. You tell me some great podcast or you put it in a chart or you write about it and I go and follow it. Hmm. Now, I get that. That's what I've been doing. But if we have to now use the word follow and subscribe, there is no space left in the lexicon for when we want to add a social layer to podcasting. How do I follow James Cridland? What's the word going to be? So I feel like some person in Apple marketing has basically misappropriated the words and said, right, we're going to have follow for this, subscribe for that, because we need a word for our subscriptions and channels. And they've just decided randomly and unilaterally to change the whole industry wording. And they've left no space for when I know a few apps that are coming will add a social layer and what's the word well, they're going to have to use? Follow a person, which is standard de-rig for all social media, mm. can't be used because it's now follow a podcast. Well, can, can you not do both? Can you not follow a podcast and follow a person? You can, but it's nice as a verb entity, sorry to be technical, so that you can delineate between the two. I want to follow this person. I want to subscribe to this mm. podcast and... Basically, that's how I would prefer it to be. But there you go. Who am I to say? I mean, the way that um, uh, Apple has always approached this industry is that it's their industry and they will make all of these changes. And, th and that's basically how that's going to work. Um, but I have to say, if two thirds of, you know, it's not just Apple, it's Spotify as well. And if two thirds of the uh, consumption platforms out there are already using the word follow, I'm there wondering, you know, surely if you're in charge of Pocket Casts or, you know, Podfriend or whoever it might be, 
um, surely it makes sense to use the word that more and more podcasters are going to be using, follow this podcast. And um, I think it's just going to be a little bit confusing having subscribed meaning something different in different apps. Well, a lot of apps are already doing. I mean, if you look at Fountain, they already have follow um, because they follow people. They have a social layer already and they still have mm. follow a podcast. So they're going to have to change that to subscribe to a podcast, but I don't think it's a payment mechanism that they're being, going to be using. Apple's done this because they wanted to actually add subscriptions, So and the payments were involved, so subscribe is what we'll call it. We'll see. 2023 is coming. You can vote with your feet or with your fingers. We'll see whether people adopt it, won't we? We'll see whether people go, yeah, uh, I'm subscribing to Pod News Weekly or Pod News Daily. We'll see whether they say that or follow. We'll see. Now, moving on. Brand safety. Uh, Barometer and Oxford Road have rolled out two new brand safety and suitability solutions for audio advertisers. Unpack that sentence, James. Yes, because it's quite a sentence. Um, It's it's the top of their press release, which I covered yesterday. Uh, And I was curious. I I know that the the idea of brand safety is something that not everyone is uh, bought into. I mean, I don't know whether you've heard Todd Cochran on his many rants recently on the new media show about brand safety. Ah. Um, But, uh, you know, from that from that point of view, he's clearly not bought into that. I have a feeling that um, uh, that uh, Adam and Dave have their views on there as well. But these companies have worked together to launch a couple of things in that space. So rather than just a pine about them, I thought I would chat to the people concerned and find out what they actually were. Uh, so here's Dan Granger from Oxford Road and Tamara Zubati from Barometer. Barometer is an AI-powered brand suitability and contextual targeting solution for podcast advertisers. And Dan, Oxford Road is a train station in Manchester, which I've used occasionally, and it's very nice. Um, but you're not from a train station. It's Oxford Street. <laughs> I get a lot of Google alerts about that that area. It's Oxford Road in Manchester. It's Oxford Street in London. Really? Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's real. It's a real it's, place. Well, there's also one in Michigan. There you go. Um, that's the reason that I called it that. So I just stole it. Um Now, uh, Oxford Road is the leading independent agency focusing on uh, podcast and audio as a channel. So, Tamara, what have you announced this week? So, this week we announced the release of two uh, new features and tools. One of them, actually, you already helped us showcase. It was the host intelligence solution, um, and we did release it for the new month. So, we have five new episodes that we have scored in depth and provided, like, searchable interactive transcripts for anybody to check out the level of detail um, that barometers analysis powers for the GARM components. And then our second exciting announcement is our host intelligence solution, um, which is a brand new tool that we're rolling out based on popular demand for our kind of preview version of it that already existed in barometer, where we score how a host, in this case, any entity, is portrayed over 50,000 news sources on a daily basis. So, Dan, some of the brand safety solutions announced by others have focused on the show's content, but Barometer Host Intelligence is all about the host, the talent, the personality. Why why is that person important to you as an ad agency? Well, what we've figured out is that we have a certain level of responsibility for the environments we place our clients in, 
Um, but sometimes we limit that discussion to just what is said in the show. And as it turns out, there can be a lot of challenges for brands that affiliate with a show that may be safe, but the host is not for reasons that happen outside of the show. So we get a sudden emergency email that a host we're sponsoring was caught wearing a shirt that said something controversial in the wild. And all of a sudden, this is a topic. So uh, if you thought that you're only responsible for the show, you are not. You are responsible for the behavior of that individual to some people, to some stakeholders. And so really important that you get visibility into that as well as what's in the show itself. Wow. I mean, are there, are there any examples that, that, that wearing a shirt can't be a proper example, can it? Let's just take a quick break. Welcome to High Street Matters, a regular podcast from Byra, the British Independent Retailers Association. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing top business owners and experts here at Byra about issues which impact independent retailers today. We'll be talking to a cross-section of our members from around the UK, from single retail outlets to small chains, and from large department stores to leisure and hospitality. We plan to provide top tips to help businesses stay ahead of the retail curve. High Street Matters. Thanks for listening. No, that's a real example. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a podcaster uh, who wore a shirt that uh, didn't make any sense to me. Um, not something I would have recommended that they wear, but they were wearing it and someone snapped a picture. Somebody put it on the internet and Twitter was ablaze. So that's it, not the only example we have, but truly um, people trend for all sorts of reasons. People get upset with a personality for all types of reasons. And, you know, I think in the early days we might have imagined that it was exclusively about what's said on air and then their personal life is their personal life, but we don't live in that world anymore. And so um, that's not to say that we advocate for disassociating with programs because of every behavior that uh, a talent is uh, accused of conducting or conducts, um, but it is helpful to be aware of it so that sponsors and listeners uh, can be eyes wide open with their affiliations and what they're consuming. Now, Tamara, um, Barometer's podcast, Suitability Spotlight, that's a free and open service for all advertisers. It'll be published in Pod News. What can people expect from that list? What's the list of? So every month we will showcase the newest available episode of five total shows. Four of them will be from the Edison Top 50 um, for that quarter. And then one of them will be showcasing a diverse or underrepresented creator. Um, so it doesn't have to be in the top 50, but uh, we've sourced, uh, we actually worked very closely with Oxford Roads team to source a list of creators and shows that we want to uh, spotlight uh, alongside the top 50. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a very divisive world out there. Some people might accuse you of telling us what's right and what's wrong. Are, are you doing that or is that list a little bit different? I think it's um, kind of, I think of it like a mirror um, like there's really not that many, or Dan also likes to call it a nutrition label. There's not that many like reflections of the content that we're ingesting. And yet every piece of content that we ingest permanently affects how we view the rest of the world forever. Um, and so I think that it's really interesting, not just for people in our industry, but also like anybody who wants to look at kind of the breakdown of the content that they're ingesting across different parameters 
like adult content or like profanity. And it might be things that people don't even recognize that they're ingesting. And then you get into kind of the more, uh, I don't want to call it like contentious, but like interesting components, like debated sensitive social issues or crime and kind of just reflecting month over month, looking at episodes from different shows, kind of what are some of the differences, even within one genre, showcasing differences, uh, of the same kind of level uh, across both sides of the political spectrum and the U.S. kind of political spectrum. So it gives us an opportunity to showcase a variety of content and help people understand that suitability is in the eye of the beholder. And it's very different from safety, where it's kind of a binary, and this helps people and brands and people who create content really understand their content um, in a new way. So Dan, these are, these are signals, right, that help you choose what podcast you're going to advertise in. And, uh, and I guess, you know, it's up to you at the end of the day where you, where you spend your uh, money. Yeah, well, and, and to be fair, it's not my money at all, really. We're stewards of our clients' money. And, you know, it, I think one of the beautiful things about the partnership between Barometer and Oxford Road is uh, a foundation of shared values. And one of those values is that we want people to be able to communicate openly and freely, um, but we don't want uh, there to be no no way of evaluating what the consequences of that content is. And so it's I, I don't think any of us see it as our job to police or to say this is good or this is bad. It's to identify what are our values, what are the values of our clients, and can that be congruent with the media selection uh, that is made before they make a purchase to see a, a through line of values all the way to the consumers that they're reaching in a show. So, so you know, we didn't come up with the GARM definitions, but I think we uh, have agreed that they are good enough to provide a third party perspective so that brands can just be aware and make a more informed purchasing decision. Because what we saw before was a lot of very arbitrary rules, things that weren't based on shared standards. So a lot of feelings and a lot of guilt by association. And ultimately, people were throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We don't want to see major brands and sponsors defunding news and opinion. Uh, and that was what was starting to happen. What we want to see is them support the ones that are being having healthy, productive discussions and move away from those that are just pushing people toward the extremes. So so what ultimately are you both hoping this will do um, to the industry next year, uh, Tamara? Yeah, so I think our goal is to bring more transparency and shared good data that people across both sides, the buy side and the sell side, can use to make more data-driven decisions, um, whether that means opening up content within categories that were previously excluded, like news um, or comedy or true crime um, or helping advertisers feel more confident in new investments that they're making in shows that they weren't buying before, helping them find new shows that meet their standards that they didn't know met their standards, and kind of just creating a bigger atmosphere of ha- more open-mindedness um, that the data and the transparency can really power. And like part of the reason that we've neglected or actually intentionally not designed a score from like one to 100 for each of the shows is it's like relative to what uh, for one advertiser, uh, a certain combination of the GARM components means one thing. And for another advertiser, that same exact combination means something completely different. So I think, yeah, open-mindedness and transparency. And Dan, where do you see this uh, data uh, taking the industry? So I think there's two things. One is, I think, being achieved already for all barometer users, which is 
buyers and brands can feel much more confident that their values are being fairly represented through their associations and what they support. That's the first thing. The second thing that I think is the larger goal we're trying to move toward is shifting the incentive structure in the industry to go away from rewarding the loudest voice and just trying to make the person who makes the most noise make the most money. And we're trying to say, how do we incentivize with with real cash uh, having a healthy uh, discourse? How do we have productive dialogue about important topics? Not shy away from topics, but pay attention to how responsibly those topics are handled. And if we can move the carrot over to that, I think that we're going to see a lot of benefits in our culture as well as for our bottom lines. Well, Dan, uh, Tamara, I wish you luck with that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. We are going to move on and talk about some of mine and James' highlights for 2022 first. Um, it's been a great year for podcasting, another growth year. Uh, some of my highlights and lowlights is what I'm going to rapidly run through. Uh, it was hello and goodbye to Facebook before we even knew you. Uh, James uncovered uh, secretly somehow. I don't know how you did it, James, but you got YouTube's uh, 2022 business plan. But strangely, they never executed on it because we've never seen no. YouTube podcasting. And rumours are that there was going to be Twitter and TikTok podcasting. I don't think Elon's that interested. So that was one of my first highlights. Uh, One thing that I thought was great, Benjamin Bellamy did at the beginning of the year, but doesn't seem to have been used much, was a podcast font. Um, (laughs) Clubhouse and Twitter Spaces. Oh, my. They came. They caused noise. Everyone followed everyone. It became a a follow fest, but uh, they all disappeared. Um, Are you still using Twitter Spaces, James? Uh I'm using Twitter Spaces once a week. I'm, I'm not really logging into Twitter anymore because Elon Musk is a fool. Um, but I'm using Twitter Spaces uh, once a week. There's a podcasting power hour that happens to be at 11 o'clock in the morning for me here. And uh, and it's quite good. So I will use that. Um, uh, I, I will normally dip into that and have a listen to what they're talking about uh, every single week. But that's basically it. Um, have you used it at all recently? No, no, I, don't, I, can't, I can't be bothered with it. I try. I look for a few. There's a couple... I think Ariel's done a few. Uh, there's a few others I occasionally dip in on, but I've never got up on stage mm. for them. Um, mm. You'd think I was shy or something, wouldn't you? There you go. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think the highlight for me of 2022 was actually getting out after COVID to events. Podcast movement in LA was great. Um, had a wonderful time out there seeing and meeting some of the people we talk about every week. So thank you to yes. Harry Duran and a few other people out there who took me under their wing and introduced me to lots and lots of people. Um, and the highlight in London was the London show, the first one they did. Um, that was very good. I'm looking forward to this one uh, in 2023. And for me, I, I thought one of the nicest things was we, you and I, organised a little yes. pub drink around in a 17th century pub down an alley muse right behind... Uh, Buckingham Palace, and uh, yeah, that yes, was in the middle of, the of nowhere, in the um, middle of nowhere in central <laughs> London. <laughs> but yes, that was that was that was great fun and really nice and different, uh, which was a good thing. Um, I, I should say, uh, this week I have learnt that there is a new brew pub in uh, Las Vegas called uh, Brew Dog, which I'm very excited by. So um, that uh, only opened last week, so uh, that that might be a venue at Podcast Movement in Las Vegas in March. So looking forward to that. And of course, um, 
we will both be, I'm sure, at the podcast show in London uh, when that is back on in May. Yeah, we will. Uh, and lastly, before we get on to James's highlights, um, one of the big highlights for me was the value tag. Um, the ability to add micropayments, Satoshis, into podcasting and make that much more live. And Olby was the wallet that I suddenly got to understand all of this madness around invoices, which looked like QR codes when I first looked at them. So yeah, the value tag and Olby is probably my tech of the year in terms of podcasting and obviously as i said the events with podcast movement and the london show james come on give me your highlights for 2022 yes i i think my highlights um in terms of sort of growth of the industry i think the growth of podcasting 2.0 has been very exciting and some of the new features there it's been sort of frustratingly slow in some ways but really fast in others and it's really good to see RSS being seen as something that has new life, something that is extendable. It's, it's always been extendable, but it's really good that people have grasped that and understood that you can do additional stuff with the RSS uh, feeds that you have. You don't need to go and build something else. And I think that that's been very exciting. Um, I'm also very excited by OP3. Um, they open analytics because I think uh, for those people that um, uh, go into it and use it, I think it will be a very much more transparent and open way of basically saying, no, this is what I'm doing on my podcast. This is how many people are listening. This is what's going on on it. Uh, and I'm very excited by it. Hurry up, John, and uh, build the uh, build the um, the uh, additional APIs, but uh, really, really cool. So very excited by that. And I think, you know, as part of that, I think that actually what Elon Musk has shown us and what the, f the failings of Facebook has shown us and everything else is that open data is really important and really beneficial to the industry as a whole. So if you have a look at Twitter versus Mastodon, if you have a look at Spotify versus RSS, actually understanding that openness is a helpful thing and interop is a helpful thing uh, is really exciting. So I think all of that has been very uh, exciting from the tech side. I think from the more business side, I think, um, uh, you know, the highlights really are that podcasting is still doing incredibly well, even under the economic downturn that we currently have. Um, uh, from what I see, you know, the business is still growing. Yes, we're seeing cost cutting and stuff like that. But that is, I think, a little bit different. We're seeing more revenue coming into this space. Um, and so hopefully seeing an awful lot more profit coming into this space as well. And I think that's really exciting, particularly given that one of the first things that goes when a recession comes or when a threatened recession comes is the ad budget. Um, so very excited to see that that is um, you know, that podcasting is doing well. I think my, um, my, highlight, uh, my highlight of things that uh, haven't gone well um, has been the disappointment in Google and YouTube again. Um, if you remember about three years ago, we were hugely excited 
when uh, Zach Renault Widen uh, bumped, uh, you know, jumped in and and launched Google Podcasts, and everybody was so excited, and we thought, oh yes, Google has come, the great big G has come to save the industry, um, and that was a complete damp squib because they didn't put any effort behind it, sadly, um, and and exactly the same thing appears to be happening again in YouTube. You remember Podcast Movement LA, where um, the big head honcho of YouTube turns up, you know, the new head of podcasting turns up, says absolutely nothing to a packed room. Um, And, uh, you know, the only thing that they have done this year is they've launched something which they call a podcast's front page, but nobody can actually get listed in. Um, It's just a random curated list of podcasts, and it only exists in the US and not in the other 179 countries. Hello, Google. Um, So I think such a disappointment, and that could have been such a highlight. And Google once more have, you know, completely wasted their effort and wasted their brand equity in just not bothering to do a good job, which is a real shame. Yeah, no, that was that was the funniest thing, that packed room in LA. Come on, Kai, what are you going to say? Here we are, we're all ready for you, the big announcement. It was brilliant, uh, wasn't it? Absolutely nothing. brilliant, and absolutely nothing was said, and you could just see people going, oh, was that it? He's just going to stand there and say, we really like podcasters. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a thing. The embarrassing moment of Mike here was actually going up to the YouTube stand at the London show, not looking at the badge of the person I was talking to and going, uh-huh. can I tell you what a waste of time that was in LA? And what are you going to do? Are you going to announce something only to look down at the badge to realise I was talking to Kai? Yes. So... <laughs> Luckily, he didn't know who I was. I have a feeling he heard that from quite a lot of people. Um, I, I ended up spending about uh, 20 minutes with him on the sofa, um, but, uh, you know, and having a chat. But again, you know, he was saying, oh, well, we'll have more news. And of course, none of that news has actually happened. Um, I, I have to say, the only the only sort of slight upside was that the PR person that got very upset with me for leaking the uh, the PowerPoint um, uh, earlier on in the year, very very upset, promised me an exclusive that never happened. Of course, um, the only upside to that is he's no longer working there. So uh, you know, karma. Twenty twenty three. Where do you think twenty twenty three is going then, Sam? Well, I'm thinking Joe Rogan's leaving Spotify and joining YouTube, and that's what we're waiting for. That's what YouTube's waiting for. Joe Rogan's contract to expire and he will join YouTube for the big podcast announcement. That's what we're waiting for. But other than that... When does that contract expire? Oh, I I don't know. I've not spoken to Joe recently, or ever, should I say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No idea. But I know it's somewhere in 2023. It's not long. So uh, Yeah, I I think think you're right. That's going to be really interesting to see if he re-signs with um yes it expires at the end of 2023 um so we'll probably about this time next year we might find out whether or not he's signed up with uh, youtube but that's still a long way to go so i'm predicting youtube launched their podcasting platform in 2024 there you go you heard it here first (laughs) what else (laughs) what else um hosting companies are are slowly realizing that hosting is now a commodity i mean I think from the list that you did last week um, that you updated of hosting companies on Pod News, there's over a hundred plus. I know John Spurlock's talked about how many podcasting companies who could be using OP3. 
So I think there's a lot of healthy ecosystem and competition, but it's not a differentiator. And I think they're going to have to start to look for more differentiators. And I think those podcasting hosting companies that adopt the podcast index tags faster will see traffic move away from a competition back to themselves. So it's going to be great to see who's bringing out podcast TXT, who's going to support the value tag, and as you'll hear from Dave Jones later in this show, who's going to be supporting the new Podping 2.0 live item tag. So I think uh, there's a lot that hosting companies should and could be doing to add added value beyond just hosting your RSS feed. I mean, a good example is uh, something that you and I, James, pretty much understand. But if you want to do live hosting or live podcasting, you need a, another server, a Shoutcast server, an Icecast server, or something that's going to broadcast your podcast live. Imagine if your podcasting host said, yeah, you've got your podcast with this. Yeah, we're going to distribute it to all the directories, but you want to do live, no problem. Here's the two tag fields you need to put, start and end date. And of course, yes, of course you can use our Shoutcast server, which is redundant if you had your own one ninety nine percent of the time. So you can use it for the 1% of the time that mm. you're live broadcasting, and it's all just an added premium service. Now, that's the sort of thing I'm hoping hosting companies look at and start to offer podcasters in 2023. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that. And I think, you know, I was looking around for whether or not I could shift the uh, the hosting of uh, the main pod news daily and put that onto a, in inverted commas, proper podcasting host. Um, and there was uh, one or two that I was looking at for various complicated reasons, um, but neither of them support the podcast uh, 2.0 tags that I want them to support. Um, so I can't move. And I do wonder whether or not that's going to be a bigger deal for other podcasters as we go into 2023, where they would, you know, sign with whatever company like Libsyn, for example, I mean, they're not going to do anything with podcasting 2.0. They've got somebody who who hates it. So uh, therefore, they're not going to do anything. When is that going to be a real restriction for growth for that company? The fact that they aren't going to support any of that. Um, I find that fascinating. So it'll be really interesting to have a look. Um, what else apart from the podcasting uh, tags and stuff like that? Yeah, well, my four tenants for podcasting are discovery, interactivity and monetization. The, the, the fourth one has gone. So let's go with there's the three tenants of podcasting there. <laughs> the fourth has slipped away. It's early in the morning. Um, but yeah. one of those in discovery is obviously having a better search engine, um, not just looking for title or you know, search engines that might support things like the person tag or location tag would be great. Um, the stuff that Dan Meisner found that Apple's been doing, uh, which we talked about last week, within the metadata, adding um, mm. stuff in so that they can either surface or recommend or, or check that the podcast is not doing naughty things. Whatever it, they're doing it for, we don't know yet, Apple. It could be that they're building a better search engine, and I think the industry mm. needs one. Google, as we've highlighted earlier today, has singularly failed to do anything for the podcasting industry in that way. We thought that that Google would start to index podcasts and do much more for the industry. Seems to have not done it. And of course, as we said, YouTube, the big damp squid, haven't done anything either. So mm. I do think there will be a new podcast search engine 
don't know if it's going to be Apple or somebody else. Yes, it'll be interesting to uh, look into. And I, I would agree that topics are really interesting and really exciting. And, you know, again, I mean, Google is interested in making podcasts appear in the main index, which they've done quite successfully. But I think apart from that, there's no real, you know, benefit from uh, anything that they've been doing, which, you know, again, is um, is a bit of a shame. Um well, what else do you see happening? Do you, do you think there's going to be more podcasts next year? I think there will still be a growth in podcasts. So there'll be new podcasters coming in as tools and technology makes it easier. But I also have noticed a lot of pod fade. Um, that's, that's sad. And I think that comes back down to people either not getting an audience or not getting any revenue. Um, this reminds me of the early days of blogging. Mm. People did blogs and then they didn't find anyone commenting. They didn't find anyone interacting. And they were like, oh, why am I spending hours writing this thing when no one's reading it? And I yeah. wonder if in 2023 we don't start to use cross comments or boostergrams or make it so that people can get paid other than trying to find dynamic ad insertion or begging for sponsors. Yeah. So, yeah, so it will grow. Yeah, it, it, seems, it seems to me that cross out comments are the you know the the real obvious benefit that um they're great for podcast hosts because all of a sudden the podcasters that are on that platform can see that there are people listening can see that there are people communicating with them um so they're great from that point of view they're great from you know obviously the podcasters themselves um but also really good for the listeners so they can actually see that they are part of a tribe so to speak you know of other people who are using this and um you know i i i would really push uh, the podcast apps that are out there to implement uh, cross-app comments because that is going to be a really big thing, but only if we get some kind of adoption of that. Well, later in this show, uh, you can use chapters to jump to it whenever you like, but I do interview Benjamin Bellamy both about his new support of OP3, but we also covered a good chunk about what is happening with Castapod and cross-comments across the industry. So uh, mm. you can jump to that one later or just keep listening now. Now, the last last couple of ones from me, James, and then we'll, we'll hear what yours are. Um, uh, yeah, I, I've already said it. Clubhouse, Twitter spaces will fade. Spotify's already closed live. But I do think this gives the open podcasting community, us, the better chance of using live item tags. And I think, again... The work that Dave Jones has been doing with Podping 2.0, again, we have an interview later on in the show with Dave, um, means that we've got a great opportunity to take control of this space and uh, start to really give podcasters all sizes the chance to really do live item tag shows. Well, yes, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe we should come back at the end of 2023 and work out how well we did. Oh gosh, we didn't do a um, a prediction thing uh, last year, did we? No, we didn't because because we were very clever because we just spoke to somebody else about it, didn't we? <laughs> we spoke to Steve Pratt, I think, about it, <laughs> yes. which was a very clever thing. Much yeah. better. My last uh, last couple of then, I think a lot of old technologies that were around 10 years ago will be dusted off. We're beginning to see that anyway with ActivityPub, OAuth, Webfinger, um, I suspect we'll see a few more open standards being brought back into podcasting. And lastly, my big one, I think, for 23 is AI. I think AI is going to come more and more into podcasting, whether we like it or not. But I think it can be helpful in 
getting uh, better transcriptions. We've seen OpenAI Whisper working with Descript. Um, I'm going to be spending Christmas because I don't really go anywhere because we've got aging uh, in-laws. So last year I spent time reading and uh, learning about Web3, which was a great damn squid as well. Um, this year I'm going to be diving <laughs> into AI. So I'm going to be looking at uh, Stability AI and Jasper and a few other tools just seeing what they do. One of the, the clever things that uh, Stability AI could do is based on the text, it can produce a dynamic cover art for you, as an example. That would be quite amazing. Mm. So, yeah, AI is my big 2023 bet. Um, and, yeah, more growth within the open podcasting community. James, what's coming up as a prediction in 23 for you, apart from Apple producing an Android uh podcast player well i mean obviously apple are going to produce an android app because they're not stupid um so obviously they're going to be doing that uh, that's another hundred thousand sats that i've lost uh, this year to uh, adam curry hundred thousand sats used to be quite big now it's actually not that much of a <laughs> of an amount so may, may, maybe i should give more uh, i am on the podcasting 2.0 podcast um at the end of this year which i'm very much looking forward to doing um well what what else um i think there's definitely going to be more consolidation i would suspect that we may well see a big podcast hosting company going bankrupt next year wow um i've got i've got no um i've got no inside information as to who that might be but I do think that there is going to be, um, with the changing ec economic um, you know, circumstances that we're in, I do think that there's going to be one large company that uh, all of a sudden realises it can't make any money out of this and unf uh, folds. Um, so when that happens, you've heard it here first. Um, <laughs> You'll come back do, and edit this, will you, with a name? You'll just drop it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and best not best not joke about a name now. Because no. I think, I think there are laws against that. Um, yes. So, um, but I do also think that hosting companies, um, as you said, um, will be differentiating much more on features, on value adds. Podcasting 2.0 is going to be part of that, but other things are going to be part of that as well. And I think it's going to be much less likely for you to have, you know, such a great big list of different podcast hosts and you're there going well you know who, who do I choose they're all much much of a muchness I think that you will begin to see real differentiation between the podcasting hosting companies and that's going to be a good thing uh, I think um, in terms of um, uh, in, in terms of you know possibly bad predictions I think that ad load in podcasts is going to increase particularly ad load in uh, podcasts run by large amounts American uh, companies. Um, and I think that is going to be a big mistake and they shouldn't be doing that. But nevertheless, I'm sure that that's going to happen, um, which will probably kick off a bit of um, interest potentially in ad free subscriptions, but also potentially a bit of interest in uh, other automated ways to get rid of ads as well. So um, there may be some of that stuff coming uh, next year. Um, and I think the only other thing that I would say in terms of predictions 
is that I predict that the download will be a less valuable metric in 2023 than ever, and that a listen will be a much more valuable metric. Uh, And the question is, will a company like the IAB actually grab that opportunity with both hands and run with it, or whether or not the IAB will continue to uh, bet the entire house on, um, uh, on the download? Um, and uh, whether or not, um, you know, the industry is going to continue talking about downloads when actually people are beginning to understand that uh, a listen is a much more interesting uh, piece of information. Yeah, I mean, the Apple bug stroke feature that came out earlier in the year did show that about, what was it, 30% of downloads aren't listened to? Yes, it was, it was um, so th- more, more than 30% on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, so in total, it's about 13%. But yes, there is a certain amount of um, podcasts that aren't listened to. And of course, what that's doing is that that's pushing Apple's numbers um, artificially higher than they should be because you can't compare Apple Podcasts, which has a lot of automatic downloads, with Spotify that doesn't. Yeah, and the other one that you mentioned was you saying a company might go out. Um, do you think there'll be lots of M and A in hosting companies because you know there's over a hundred of them? Do we need a hundred um, if they're all doing something very similar? Will there be a way of, um, I guess, one or two of them buying up market share through M and A? Yeah, I think that there may be some of that that goes on. I, I guess the question now is, what's the benefit of? M&A in the podcast hosting uh, market, Uh, unless you're just doing that for scale for, you know, because you need 100,000 podcasts on your own platform. Um, But unless you're doing that, um, you know, to, to me, there's, there's less benefit now than there's possibly um, uh, ever been, but it could well be that we see some big, um, you know, some more big acquisitions next year. I think probably the big acquisitions have happened, though. Um, and I think when you look at the available podcast companies, podcast hosting companies, which are out there, I mean, really, you're left with uh, a very small amount of desirable companies. Clearly, one of those is Buzzsprout, uh, our sponsor. One of those is Libsyn. Um, and potentially one of those is Blueberry as well. Um, Those are the three big still independent companies. Libsyn has its own problems, so it may just be a Buzzsprout conversation and a Blueberry conversation, but perhaps there's things going on there that um, might might be interesting for for next year. I don't know. Well, Apple, with their subscriptions, are requiring podcasters to host with them. Would Apple buy a hosting company in the same way that Spotify bought Anchor? Yeah, I think Apple, what Apple have done, and they were supposed to have launched this in November, um, I understand it's now launching in January, is uh, something called delegated delivery, which they're not going to be calling, um, which they're not going to be using that when it finally launches. But it's essentially the the way for you to be able to use uh, Buzzsprout, for example, and for Buzzsprout to upload um, that paid for subscription automatically to the Apple um, uh, infrastructure. But yes, it still gets hosted at the end of the day by Apple. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of, 
weird relationship that you have with Apple where you can see them really getting behind RSS and getting behind the open RSS infrastructure in one side, but then on the other side, doing all of this proprietary stuff and you know whether it's um their their own lists of um hosts and um and and people on uh, podcasts or whether it's this um you know a proprietary subscription platform interesting to watch apple's sort of yes you know we like the open e- ecosystem but we're still going to build our own small wall gardens as well well my last prediction is that apple will open up the door they're going to support podcast txt from the podcast index namespace and on the back of that they will start to look at the person tag and a few others maybe even go wild and support the transcript tag james but I think Apple are going to start to support the podcast index namespace. That's my prediction. So, yeah, so that's enough from me and James on our predictions. But we thought we'd ask some experts, you know, not me and you, um, about what they thought about the 2022 highlights and their predictions for 23. So we started off with Mark Asquith from Captivate. My personal podcasting highlight of 2022 has been seeing the news agents hit 10 million downloads in under four months. And what a pleasure it has been to be a part of that team as a part of the wider global family. In 2023, my prediction is that we are going to start to see a lot of brands and a lot of creators who work on trying to open up higher rate CPMs. I think we're going to start to see them creating a better experience for the listener around the advertising space around their brand partnerships so that those, number one, higher rate CPMs can be opened up and, and really be shown to be delivering value. But number two, so that the listener experience is much more akin to that immersive experience that we expect throughout the rest of a podcast episode. So I think we're going to start to see the experience need to get better because People are going to want to start to open up as creators, as podcast brands, going to want to open up higher rate CPMs. And in order to do that, we are going to need to get a little bit more innovative. Mark Asquith from uh, Captivate, never uh, knowingly under-promotioned, uh, I notice, uh, mentioning the fact that he hosts the the news agents, and quite rightly. Um, and, uh, you know, as we were saying earlier on, I think uh, one of the concerns for next year is just a ever higher ad load. And he's absolutely right. Higher rate cost per thousands would be really good for next year. Uh, Benjamin Bellamy here uh, from Ad Ores and Castapod gives us his ideas for 2022 and 23. With the acquisition of Twitter, 2022 was definitely the year when federated social networks such as Mastodon, PixelFed, PeerTube, or even Castapod became trendy for everyone, paving the way for podcast cross-app comments. I bet 2023 will be the year artificial intelligence becomes a reality for podcasters. For example, one could easily develop a new service that automatically creates podcast covers for each episode using automatic transcription, semantic analysis, and text-to-art generators. Benjamin Bellamy there. Yeah, federated social networks. I mean, thank you, Elon, for smashing apart Twitter, for making everyone look at them again. Um, And yeah, hopefully 23 will see a lot more. I tend to agree with him. And AI, again, yes, we both uh, violently agree that that's going to be a big play, I think, into the world of podcasting. Now, 
Moving on from Benjamin, we have Alban Brook from Buzzsprout. And uh, let's get his highlights of 22 and his predictions for 23. My podcasting highlight from 2022 was actually making a silly podcasting tutorial video. We made it as if it was shot in 1993 and we had a ton of fun trying to replicate the old VHS style training videos. And it ended up getting a pretty nice response uh, from a lot of our friends in the industry. My prediction for 2023 is we're going to see a lot of podcasters from the premier networks, uh, some of the best production houses, and even shows that were previously exclusive to a single platform. I think we'll see people from all those groups go independent. There's a few different reasons, uh, things pulling in this direction. One, networks are tightening their belts because of the recession. Uh, We're seeing lots of layoffs and just the generally the deals for exclusive shows seem to have gotten a little smaller. At the same time, Apple, Spotify and others have made it much easier to sell premium content. And we're just seeing more creators start talking about the value of creative independence and owning your own IP so that you own the upside if a show ever does really well. So all three of those things pulling in the same direction, I think we'll see more creators uh, who may previously have been employed full-time to make podcasts start to go independent. Alban Brook from Buzzsprout, I thought that was really interesting. One thing, that, though, that he did say, which I, I, I would probably disagree with, is that Spotify has made it easy for you to sell premium content. Uh, Spotify, of course, launched their uh, paid-for subscription service earlier on this year, To my knowledge and understanding, it's really gone nowhere. Um, I contacted Spotify a few days ago and I asked, do you have any great stories about your subscription, your paid subscriptions? I noticed that in 2023, you're going to start charging creators 5%, I think. Is there a date for that? Um, Sent off my request to Spotify for comment and, of course, heard nothing, um, which probably tells you uh, quite a lot. But do do you see that... um, um, uh, Sam? Yeah, I, I, I think there's going to be a bit of a fallout with Apple, actually. I think Apple are talking about, because of EU requirements, opening up the Apple Store and allowing third parties. I know that with audiobooks, Spotify was very unhappy with the way that people had to buy audiobooks. And I think you may have seen this week, James, Elon Musk's brought back Twitter Blue. Uh, I hope you're excited as nobody is. And... Um, these he's got two charging models if you go via the web it's eight dollars and if you go via ios it's eleven dollars he's basically making it very clear that there's an apple tax if you go and use the apple store um and i think again i think a lot of other companies are going to be pushing hard along with the support of the eu so no i don't think it's been easy and i I think apple is going to have to open up the doors if they're not going to get a doj um tap on the door as well. Uh, Here's Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies. Hey, it's Harry Duran, host of Podcast Junkies and the Vertical Farming Podcast and founder of Fullcast. And my highlight for 2022 was learning about the possibilities of sponsorship beyond the CPM model. Through the Vertical Farming Podcast, I've been able to generate over 60k in sponsorship revenue for the show. And I think that speaks to the niche content 
being provided and the caliber of the guests being interviewed as I'm interviewing CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I covered this topic at Podcast Movement earlier this year, and based on the feedback, it seems like a lot of podcasters are rethinking sponsorship and really refining the topics they talk about so that they can command a higher premium from their sponsors. It's an interesting space to watch. And my big prediction for 2023 will be a renewed focus on building communities around shows. There's certain podcasts that are doing this really, really well. And I think understanding who your listeners are, how they're engaging with the content, and what you can do to deepen those relationships is something that's really, really important and something that I think is going to be crucial for the growth of shows as new shows come online. Happy holidays and hope to see you at a podcast conference in the new year. So there you go, Harry Durant. The sponsorship model that he did, um, again, is a really good case study. He did a, a presentation in uh, L.A., but it was right at the end of the event. So I know he was given a bigger audience uh, slot at Dallas. Did you go to see Harry at all? Uh, I didn't, but I've seen uh, a write-up of the um, of the presentation that he did. Uh, and I think we linked to it from Pod News a while back Um you know, and it's a great story of, I was talking to a radio person earlier on t today around radio being broadcast, trying to reach as many people as possible, and podcasting really benefiting from being niche. And actually, the, the, the secret with podcasting, as Harry will tell you, is not to chase the big numbers, but is to chase that individual community and super serving that uh, community. And I think he's absolutely right, you know, in terms of that. Now, friend of the show, Chris Messina, who's broken quite a few stories for us and given them to us. Uh, let's see what he thought for 2022 and into 2023 as well. Hey, what's up? It's Chris Messina from the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. And my highlight for 2022 was getting to record a number of Twitter spaces throughout the year with our listeners, with our fans, with friends, with people from throughout the tech world to really make sense of a lot of the changes that have been going on in an otherwise pretty tough year. For 2023, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more interesting artificial intelligence applications in the creative space, in the media space, in advertising, in movies and films, and of course, in the podcast world. Uh, we'll see if other things happen in decentralized payments and crypto and whether or not that comes back. Clearly, people are still building. And next year, I think we're going to see a lot of those efforts launch. The very excellent Chris Messina. I hope he gets out of that box soon. Yeah. Uh, talking about uh, AI and decentralized He's got a big house. and stuff like that. <laughs> Do you know, I, I'm always really interested around the uh, conversation around decentralized payments and micropayments and everything else and programmable money. And it appears that quite a lot of it is being driven by people in the US who are all excited about what you could do if you had APIs to pay money via certain places. And I do wonder how much of that is being driven by just the old-fashionedness of the US banking system. Uh, it really is like going back 30 years. Um, uh, I mean, you know, I, I, I invoiced for something uh, a year or so ago, and an American company sent me a check and it was, what, what do I do with this thing? <laughs> what do I do with this piece of paper? I haven't seen <laughs> it a, framed up on a wall I somewhere else. I have check forever. So I do wonder how much of the conversation around decentralized payments, around 
micropayments and programmatical money uh, is just driven by the fact that the American banking system is so appallingly old-fashioned. But uh, maybe that's just me. I don't know. I, I love technology, but I'm very worried about central banks. They've got this mantra of the CBDCs, the uh, Central Bank Digital Currency. And I think in Australia this week, James, they've made it a pre-requirement now to have a digital ID to buy Bitcoin or crypto Mm. and potentially getting on the web. You will not be allowed on the web in Australia. A bit like China, unless you've presented up your digital ID. Yes, well, I'm not sure that that's going to work. I mean, you, you can't get a mobile phone here without showing your normal ID. Uh, and that's been one of the problems that we've had over the last uh, couple of months, is that uh, all of that lovely data, which has sat in uh, various telcos, has been a real... Um, exciting thing for uh, hackers to get their hands on. And uh, somebody got their hands on 100,000 uh, people's records from uh, Optus um, and uh, spread those across the internet. They actually got hold of 1.4 million, but uh, 100,000 that they actually published on the internet. And that was a very, very bad thing. And it just goes to show that, uh, yes, it's absolutely fine asking for people's IDs and storing those IDs. But then what happens when that data gets hacked? So, um, indeed, all all interesting stuff. Uh, let, let's move on to uh, Matt Medeiros from Castos. The shining star for me in 2022 was the podcasting 2.0 movement. We saw a lot of new features shipped, further adoption across the industry, including here at Castos, and more awareness hitting actual podcast creators, not just tech savvy folks. For 2023, I'd love to see the adoption double down across the industry, but my prediction is that we'll see a shift in tools and culture that podcasters can go direct to listeners without being tied to a single platform. Largely thanks to Podcasting 2.0 painting that picture, we'll see some easier to adopt monetization tooling come to the podcast creators. There we go, the wonderful Matt Medeiros. His brother's brilliant, though. He's a great singer. Have you heard his brother? <laughs> oh, that's such a 1980s uh, reference. That's, that's, quite, that's quite a thing. Um, let's go back to uh, to sunny Canada. Um, and uh, here's a man with a radio voice uh, from Bumper. Here's Dan Meisner. My highlight of 2022 was finally seeing friends and colleagues and clients in person. My big prediction for 2023 audience growth will continue to be many podcasters biggest challenge stuff that used to work won't work so well anymore and the smartest podcast marketers will revisit and rewrite entire sections of their playbooks dan meisner from uh, bumper it was wonderful to see him actually in the flesh in may in uh, toronto that was a wonderful thing and i'm looking forward to hopefully seeing him again this year uh at radio days north america which will take place in uh, early may uh, in Toronto as part of Canadian Music Week. And I'm going to ask him when I see him just to do me a voice recording. I don't know, I can go to sleep to that voice. It's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> One of those. He should do audio books, Dan. If you're listening, forget Stephen Fry. Read the next Harry Potter, Dan. I'll be there. Ah, uh, there's a thing. Uh, let's move on. Uh, here is uh, the brains behind OP3 and uh, Livewire and many other exciting things, John Spurlock. This is John Spurlock. I'm working hard on my new OP3 project here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, looking back on last year, I just counted over 100 retail podcast hosting companies and platforms. 
which to me indicates a very healthy marketplace for great products on the podcaster side. Uh, one thing I predict we'll see in 2023 is that the uh, duration, the length of podcast episodes will continue to get shorter. Interesting. Shorter podcasts. A bit like this one, James. Um, <laughs> yes, he uh, says it, it, it's already it's already yes. clocking over one hour uh, for this uh, podcast. He's a bright man. I had no idea he was actually based in Dallas in uh, Texas, which uh, explains a lot. Looking forward to hopefully seeing him uh, again uh, next year. Uh, from the US to the UK and uh, another man with a radio voice, he is Neil Velio. Before I get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to the both of you for putting together this amazing podcast for us every week and of course James with the daily pod news briefing I know it can't be easy to commit to doing this week in week out producing a weekly podcast is difficult enough but the fact that you do it every day James is really testament to your passion for the industry and on behalf of any podcasters who want to get on board with what I'm saying a massive thank you on behalf of all of us okay so the highlight my highlight has been the suggestion of removing the use of the email tag by Apple Podcasts. I think this is a brilliant step forward for the industry. There's nothing more annoying than getting loads and loads of email spam in your inbox every single day by anybody even remotely attached to the podcast industry. It is being abused. I, for one, am really excited to see this end once and for all. Now, my prediction for 2023. Do you know, initially, I was kind of with James on the idea that Apple Podcasts might launch an app for Android phones. I think I've changed my mind on that. I don't think they will because I don't think they feel like they need to. Here's my prediction then. A breakaway podcast category in Apple Podcasts and the other major directories. What do I mean by that? I think we're going to see a greater divide now between the indie podcast community and big podcasting. In other words, there will be separate categories for anybody that is NPR, iHeartMedia, the BBC, and a separate category entirely for everyone else. I think there will be two very different algorithms for those shows with very different requirements of triggering it. What do you think of that, Sam? Wow. Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I do agree with him. You do a great job every day, so well done to you. Um, yes, yes, not bad. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I didn't know what you wanted me to say there. No, I agree. The uh, uh, removal of emails, great. Um, yeah, I think there will be a big split between podcasting and independent podcasting. I think people with budgets look at the uh, news agent, right? Uh, massive success very quickly because of a big budget that they could apply to it. So, hmm. yeah, I think there will be a divide between the, the, the big ones and, and the little independent ones, yeah. I think what worries me about this, having been involved in a fair amount of uh, award ceremonies and you get people going, you know, uh, give a special award for the indies, and you go, well, do you not think you're, you're good enough to win some of the other awards then? Do you, do you think that you need a special award for the little people um, because your product isn't good enough to win the big podcast prizes? Uh, that, that, that's what I hear when I hear people thinking that people want a indie versus big company uh, thing. Um, I, I, I'm kind of there going, I, I know what they're saying. They're saying that everybody should be given the same chances and, uh, and, and all of that. But I also think that if we start splitting people up 
in terms of indies and non-indies, whatever that's supposed to mean, then I think that what what we're actually saying there is that um, is that we're splitting podcasts up into the really good list and the not quite so good list, and I'm not sure how that benefits anybody, to be honest. Um, but that's just me, and Neil has just said something very nice about me, so uh, maybe I shouldn't have, have, have demolished his argument so much. <laughs> <laughs> Still, here we go. Who's next, Sam? Uh, Jake Warren, uh, good friend uh, at Message Heard. He has his predictions for 2022 and 23, or his highlights for 22 and his predictions for 23. Our 2022 highlight probably has to be winning the coveted Best True Crime Award at the British Podcast Awards this year for The Catch. My 2023 prediction is all around IP and specifically about how that IP is exploited. I think there's going to be less of a dependency upon commissions, which obviously, although you may retain um, some, if not all, of the IP of which has been generated, but you're also creating a gatekeeper for the exploitation of that IP. I think we're going to see much more of a collaborative model like we see in North America, where shows are created by and, 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 which allows you to proactively engage with those looking to exploit IP from other mediums and with uh, the strength of proof of concept and proof of audience to go with it. Jake from Message Heard. Uh, that's really interesting. Again, more talk about uh, IP, uh, echoing uh, what uh, Alban Brooks said uh, earlier on, which is uh, fascinating to hear. Now, hello, it's James from The Edit, and uh, we did ask uh, quite a few women, and unfortunately didn't get too many female voices, but one came in after we recorded, and it's the excellent Arielle Nissenblatt. The highlight of my 2022 in the podcast space, oh, there are so many great podcast-related things that happened, but I will shout this out. I traveled internationally a lot this year, and everywhere I went, I reached out to podcast industry folks to get a coffee and to just hang out and talk about podcasting and audio. In Malaysia, of course, I was at Radio Days Asia. In Europe, I met with folks in Berlin and Paris. And when I was in London, I organized a meetup for podcast folks at a pub. And this podcast's own, Sam Sethi, helped us find that pub. So thank you to Sam. It was a really great night. In 2023, I'm looking forward to more international podcast events. I'm excited to not only attend some of these events, but to also get a better grasp on the international podcast scene. I think there's a lot that U.S. podcast folks can learn from what's going on abroad. Thank you for the opportunity to contribute, James and Sam, and happy almost 2023. So we'll end with one more bloke, uh, and it is the pod sage himself, the mighty Dave Jones. A highlight for 2022. Oh, gosh. I'd have to say the highlight would be live it really changed how we do our show and brought an electricity to it because now you had halfway to the vision to try to recreate the live stream experience of super chat and so we're all of a sudden now we have chat we have the live stream and we have boostergrams coming in all at the same time that really lit a fire under us and the podcasting 2.0 project as a whole it made things exciting as I'd have to say that 2023, I think my prediction is just sl- more growth, more slow growth and more adoption. I was just doing some sort of historical lookups about HTML and the early web. And I was remembering I have this folder that's got a bunch of old copies of Internet Explorer in it. And I fired up like Internet Explorer one and two. 
and they looked so bad. And I was remembering, you know, HTML 2.0 had like, you know, seven tags in it or something like that. And at the time, publishers like Adobe and people who were in PostScript, they would look at something like that. And it's like, that's a joke. That's a waste of our time. It can't even do, you know, X percent of what we can do with our platforms. But the slow march forward over the year after year of adoption and improvement and open source contribution, you know, within time they met and exceeded the capabilities of the publishing platform. And because it was open, it just took off. So I think that's what this thing is going to be. It's what podcasting 2.0 will be. Ultimately, it will be a slow, relentless march forward for adoption and features. And I think I already know privately, at least one other hosting company is going to be jumping on board. So it's looking good for 23. I think we're just going to see the continued growth. Dave Jones from the Podcast Index. He's a very bright man, and it was great meeting him uh, in Dallas, Texas, earlier on in the year. Um, and I completely agree with how rubbish things were when they first started. I re, uh, re-shared a post today on Mastodon, which was a picture of Netscape, if you remember that, from, um, uh, I think it was Netscape version I one, do, yes. Sam Sethi. And yeah, sorry, that that wasn't my fault totally. I joined I straight after that. <laughs> Made it much better once I joined. <laughs> but the first version of Netscape was utter rubbish. I mean, really, looking at it now, it looks like the oldest thing in the world. And it was fascinating. And he, uh, Dave Dave Jones makes such a, uh, such a good point. Of course, uh, um, mind-bendingly different at the, at the time, but looking back at it now, it, it, uh, you know, um, yeah, we've moved on so far. So I think Dave actually makes a great a great point there. Yeah, James, look, stick with it. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash <laughs> www. It's going to be the future. I remember saying those words. <laughs> it certainly is. Anyway, um, yes. Now let's go on to people news. Uh, Callum Clark is the new head of podcasts for UK and Ireland at Apple. He used to work for Sony Music Entertainment and at Global and in fact was a radio DJ a long, long time ago. Uh, good to see him in post. Dave Jackson has been promoted to head of education at Libsyn. Uh, which is the job he was born to do, I reckon. Uh, he's a podcast hall of famer. He's worked for Libsyn since 2016. He's got a background as a trainer uh, and he's a very good man. So many congratulations to him. Liz Hames has joined Jar Audio as director of podcast marketing. She comes from Pacific Content and CBC. Leandro Saucedo, who is Acast's chief business and strategy officer, has left Acast. Um, he just says, I've got a few ideas of what to do next, which is always interesting when people say that, isn't it? And Stephen Michael has joined Wolf Entertainment as VP of Audio. He joins from Gunpowder and Sky. If you're looking for a job, Pod News has podcasting jobs across the industry and across the world. They're free to post as well. Uh, it just takes two minutes to add a new role. So head on over to podnews.net slash jobs. The tech stuff, tech stuff. on the Pod News Weekly Review. Yes, it's the stuff you'll find every Monday in the Pod News newsletter. Here's where we do all of the uh, tech talk. What have we got here, Sam? Well, uh, we talked about him earlier, the pod sage himself, Dave Jones. He put out a great uh, Medium post this week uh, about the updates to Podping. He's been working busily in the background with Alex on making it simpler to use. And they've launched 
2.0. I was looking back, actually. The Podping 1.0 only uh, came out on the 10th of January 2022. So it's been a rapid change in the podcast index. Anyway, the live item tag has was formalised then. It's now been updated in Podping 2.0. And I just thought I'd reach out to Dave and say, look, OK, mate, what have you done to make it easier? And how can we use it now across the industry? First of all, before we go into what's new, let's just backtrack a little bit. What is Podping and why do we need it? Yeah, so it's always good to catch back up on that because I've heard y'all talk lately about RSS Cloud. That's come back up from the virtual grave there. Podping is a solution for polling feeds. That's what it was born as. So you can think of it as WebSub, which used to be called PubSub Hubbub, or RSS Cloud. RSS Cloud and WebSub are very similar in practice. They're almost interchangeable. They use the same basic concept of subscribing to a feed URL as a watcher. You say, okay, I want to know every time this feed has updated. And so you register that subscription with a hub in it's either an RSS Cloud hub or a WebSub hub. And then that hub will tell you when the feed has changed. So you do know when to go poll it. And so you're not just polling randomly all day long. And so that's the problem those things were trying to solve. There's inherent flaws with those we felt. And the biggest one is that these hubs get overloaded. There's only a couple of them globally that serve millions of feeds. And that's a super feeder and Google's free hub. They have no incentive to keep them up. They're not making any money off them. So the web sub RSS cloud model, it's prone to those sorts of problems. You also have to keep resubscribing constantly, which can just eat up all your time. So there's more than that. That's just two of the main issues. So Podping is returning to the old um, idea of back in the day, Apple had a way where you could say every time they're your feed updated, you could just let them know you could ping them. And so Podping is that idea. It's like, who knows when this feed changed? The hosting company knows, the publisher of the feed, they know, so they can let the world know in some way. The better way than a hub subscription model is to have some sort of publicly accessible rapid time series database, be a blockchain, whatever, that can receive pings from all publishers and just republish those pings in real time. And so at any moment you can see as these ping events come in, you can say, okay, that feed updated. Now that one updated. Now that one updated. There's no subscription. There's, you just watch, you just watch and wait. And so that was the idea and it was working very good for the first few months. But, (laughs) but yeah, it was working, but there was a couple of issues. So we always knew we wanted to expand it to have other reasons for sending an event. So it was limited by its ability. So all it would do is just take a feed URL. So all you could know is, okay, here's a feed URL that just showed up. We know the feed updated, but we don't know why. We don't know what changed. So the concept of a reason code came into the picture where we released the live item tag to support live streams in podcast apps. But then if all you have is a feed URL, you have no way to tell, okay, this was just somebody published an episode, but then there's this other thing. Okay. Somebody just started a live stream. So the reason code was the main thrust of Podping 2.0. We 
went in and added support for reason code. So now publishers, let's just say that you're a bus or blueberry or transistor, you can send an update ping, which is the default. And now you can send a ping with a feed URL and a reason code of live or live end to know when a live stream started and stopped. So that was the main thrust. We did a lot of other work on the back end to re-engineer stuff and make it better along the way. But that was really the main goal is to get those reason codes. So which of the hosts now have user interfaces to allow us to fill in those fields? Does anyone implemented that yet? This is all hot off the press. So nobody has implemented the live code. Now, the other part of that, you have the reason codes, which are update live end. You also have another bit of information that can go into the Podping 2.0 messages, which are mediums. So we have this thing called the medium tag, and it's listed in the namespace. And you know about this, Sam. The medium tag, it gets confused with category. People think about, okay, a category of audiobook or a category of film, that kind of thing. That's not what medium is. Medium is something altogether different. Medium is the idea of what is this content? Not what it's about, but what is it? Is this content a podcast, spoken word? Is this content an audiobook? Is it someone reading a book to you? Is this content video, somebody doing a video podcast? Is this content film? This is this a movie? Is this music? Like, is this actually a music track and not a podcast? So once you have those mediums in place, then it gives the app the information it needs to differentiate between different types of content, not different categories, but different whole types of content. So you can have a podcast app that's just a music player and it's reading podcasts and playing podcasts. But the only podcast it's interested in are podcasts that are music tracks. And so you can combine these things together and say, okay, I, as a music artist, I have a podcast that I usually publish my music tracks to, but for this one event, I want to actually do a live podcast where I play my music live for my listeners, for my audience. You can now send the pod ping where it's live and medium equals music. So now all the apps in the world that are music focused oriented podcast apps, they can say, okay, hey, we got a live stream coming up of this podcaster. He's going to be playing a live concert. That's something that we've never really had before in any way is the ability to on the fly differentiate between the type of content and the type of event that is about to happen. And it's all based in the feed, the RSS feed, the source of truth. And then the pod ping system allows you to globally notify apps that this thing has just occurred. So it's all new. No hosting companies have this yet, but I'm hoping this will get adopted soon. Yeah. And as soon as they do, it will make life much, much easier for app developers to also implement it. I mean, it's always the chicken and egg, but in this case, it has to come from the host first, because unless the actual podcast creator can do something within a field to say, this is the start and end time and date, Mm -hmm. then the app developer can't expose that because it's never a in the RSS field. Mm. I know that you and Adam put it in manually because I've looked at your RSS and it's in there. So we can look at your RSS and we can poll that and pull it manually. But yeah, it would be much, much nicer if hosts actually did it. I think we've talked before, Sam, about how our chicken and egg breaking strategy has always been focusing on the hosting companies because 
We have great relationships with those guys. And a lot of them are forward looking and they want features to give to their customers. And so we can drive adoption through, we can crack the hosting company egg and then the apps will have content to pull in. This live stream thing, this may be an example of something that's primarily app driven because there's not a lot of podcasters that want to do live. And when I say there's not a lot, that's a guess because we really don't know. These hosting companies don't have the facility for the most part to do that. The only one I know of, and it's surprising to me that they haven't adopted any of this sooner is Podbean. I think Podbean has always been focused on live. So it's kind of surprising to me that they haven't explored this, but they're an outlier. I think most of the hosting companies don't really have a strong presence for live. So we don't know. There could be a lot of podcasters out there that want to do live streams, but we just don't know yet. But we do know this. You have people out there who are podcast app developers thinking about people like Marco, who also are podcasters and do a live show. So a lot of the apps have an incentive to support live streams, maybe above and beyond the hosting companies. So we may see this thing being adopted first by apps and then because it's just a really great feature and there is enough content out there. There's a dozen or so shows that are using the live item tag now. There's enough content to where an app developer can say, this would be really cool to provide to my listeners. And the thing that we do know about live, about podcasts, about shows that do a live stream is those audiences for those shows are highly committed to the live experience. They really love it. I mean, they'll get Accidental Tech or No Agenda or Mere Mortals. These shows have sometimes thousands of people listening in to their live broadcast. So that's a strong incentive to see this happen in the app. So we actually may see a reverse here. Yeah, it's my Friday night. You guys have been away for a couple of weeks. It's been really sad for me. Friday night <laughs> with Dave and Adam, a glass of red wine, sat down 7 p.m. UK time. And where were you for two weeks? I know you had Adam to pay had attention to, to your kids for the first time, Sam. Oh, like, mate, they're, they're old enough. They can go off and do what they like. <laughs> they're gone. I'm an empty nester at the weekend. Okay. No, anyway, the one thing that's missing in the conversation, I guess, is how do you actually do live? And mm-hmm. you and I will know. So, for example, you'll need a Outcast or Icecast server to actually mm-hmm. broadcast live. And again, it just struck me, as a host provider, why didn't you add that as an extra service on top of what you... So yes, I will host your podcast and allow people to pull on the RSS. But actually, as an extra feature, I will give you access to a Shoutcast server. So now you can actually put your podcast as opposed to I have to go and find a third party, another one, to actually get my live broadcast live and then go back to my host to then put in my tags to tell it when it starts and ends. Why can't I do it all in one place? And it would be brilliant because I know Todd said that he set his own one up. I'm sure Adam, I think, said he set one up for you guys. But it's redundant 90% of the time because you're not live broadcasting every hour, every day. But a host could give that. The idea that I've been throwing around and nobody's really taken me up on it is with how easy it is to spin up virtual servers these days, it would make sense to me that you could have a live capability on your platform. And then when somebody says they're going to go live, you keep, let's just say you keep 10 or 20 IceCast virtual servers running at any given time. And then you plug in right as you say, I'm going to go live. Well, you just 
hook into that stream at that moment, that server takes over and streams the content and then it gets freed up for another user to use it after the fact. It doesn't you know seem I that have hard. A, no, you see, you know what? I have a radio station. Yeah. And that's exactly what we do. So we oh, have okay, okay. a shoutcast server provided by a company called Radio King and they've given us the credentials to connect to it. We use a piece of software called BUT, which stands for Broadcast Using This Thing. So it's a mm -hmm. piece of software that sits on your Mac. And so what happens with all my radio shows, whether they're in studio or they're remote, because we have presenters who are remote, they just hit BUT. In effect, they're taking over control from their laptop or from the studio or from an outdoor broadcast to the server. So we can broadcast from anywhere in the world just using a laptop, a mixing desk and butt because it goes to the server. And yeah, that's all okay. you need. And it really is simple to do. But when people say you can do live broadcasting as a podcaster, I think sometimes, and I've not heard people talk about it too much, but I think we need to give them that extra bit of education that you need this server to do the last bit. So yes, you can right. update your RSS feed. Yes, you can go and broadcast like we're doing now. But this last bit of how do I take the recording that we're doing here and actually make it live live, it, I would use, for example, but free piece of software connected to a shoutcast server, which is configured with a password and port 80 and all the rest of it. Mm. And then people can just stream into it and we do live radio shows in exactly that way oh yeah i mean adam's been a been helping out this a dutch outfit called 100 retro and they're streaming live 24 7 and they have a they have an rss feed with a live item tag in it and it works perfectly i mean i'm not going to say that it's easy from a technology standpoint but what i'm trying to get at is the developer talent within podcast hosting companies I know how good these guys are, and this is not a problem. They can do this easily. Yeah, Alban, Kevin, if you're listening, spin up some shoutcast servers, add it as an extra premium feature and charge for it, right? But have it there. In fact, if you look at Wooshka, right, Rob Lowenthal, that was sold to Spotify, sadly, what Rob was doing for me at the radio station was then taking the live feed that I was putting out and taking that stream and then converting that into a podcast on Spotify and Apple for me in real time. Yeah, I think there's also partnerships that could be done with things like Squadcast or that kind of yep. thing where they have expertise in live or clean feed. They have expertise in the live experience of audio and video, and they could help the hosting companies facilitate this through partnerships, like you said, for a premium extra fee each month. And I go back to this idea that we don't know how many podcasters would do this because it could be way more than we think. There's this idea out there that, oh, to do a live show, I mean, oh, you got to have all this talent and that kind of thing. Well, that's understandable, except we've seen from things like Twitter Spaces and Clubhouse, there's a lot of people that want to do it. And they're not concerned about having like this super slick polish and being a professional broadcaster. They just want to give it a shot and maybe they have good information and that's enough to drive people to listen to their stream and as they do it they'll get better at it over time so i think there's enough interest that we've seen through things like twitter spaces where it's safe to assume that some percentage of the podcasters out there are wanting to give this a shot and that gives me the compulsion to say just go do something put together something and even if it ultimately doesn't become 
wildly successful in huge numbers. It's worth doing. Well, I think you announcing Podping 2.0 and the live item tag updates and the reason codes is interesting on the same day that Spotify announces that through Ashley Carmen at Bloomberg telling us that they're killing the live capability that Spotify bought in. Twitter Spaces feels to me, just through observation, that it has reduced quite significantly in the number of people doing them. Clubhouse, I can't even remember anyone mentioning Clubhouse. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Day. Yeah. Um, hi, Clubhouse, if you're still there. But what I would say is, I think Spotify is crazy. I mean, imagine brand new albums come out from your favorite artist and they go, hey, we're going to do a live session with the artist doing an AMA and they're going to play some tracks live and they're going to tell you about the new album. But you can buy a ticket for it here. Everyone who loves their favorite artist would go, yep, that's me done. Right, I'm mm. in, right? And Spotify can't see that and they're going to kill it. And I think what we're doing here with, well, I say we, the royal we, you, we're doing with Podping and 2.0 and the live item tag is allowing that to happen outside of the closed wall of Spotify. I think these closed walls are the things that, that hurt it the most. And I'm not surprised that they canned it for probably the same reason that Clubhouse and all these other ones go belly up because it's just closed. We know that live broadcasts through things like Icecast servers, I mean, it's a thing that has been happening for years. That side of things is not new technology. And there's entire companies that are built on renting an IceCast server on doing that. And so we know that there's a sustainable business model there because we've been seeing it for, what, 20 years? I mean, this stuff has been going on for a long time. We know that's there. When you put a wall around it and make people jump through hoops and make it proprietary, that's when you start excluding people from the audience. And that's when it gets challenging. So I mean, oh, look at YouTube. YouTube is more open about this than most. It's still a wall, but they do say anybody can pretty much live broadcast and anybody can come and listen. It's the closest thing to open that we see that and probably Twitch. And then you see the popularity of it. And so many people tune into live broadcasts on YouTube and Twitch. So we know there's an audience there and we know there's people willing to dive in and do it. The one I like to use as an example is the Mere Mortals podcast in Australia. These guys, they're funny. They're not professional broadcasters in any way. They would not pretend to be, but they have a good time. They do it live every week, and they have lots of people that tune in and listen because it's just a couple of dudes having a great conversation about interesting topics. It doesn't have to be a knock your socks off, you know, beautiful polished recording it can just be something that people are interested in and once you get that live audience there's a certain like i said earlier there's a certain percentage of the podcast listening world that just really loves that live experience it's got a little bit of an electricity to it every week when we do it like you said we've got people commenting in the chat room they want us to see their comment and talk about it on the show and there's this interactivity and I just think it's a missed opportunity if people don't dive in and start doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, congratulations. Now, where can everyone get hold of the new details about Podping 2.0? Read the blog post first and get some of those details. In the show notes. Yeah. And one thing's on my to-do list is a self-service portal where you can go grab a token and that kind of thing yourself to start sending Podpings. That's not up yet, but we can definitely hook any publishers or platforms up with a token 
If they need one, just reach out to me, davidpodcastindex.org, or, or on Mastodon, either one, and I'll definitely get you set up in short order. Brilliant. Thanks, Dave. All right. Thanks, Sam. Dave Jones from the Podcast Index. Do you think more hosts should be adding support for live? It's obviously it's a very different business model with very different uh, tech tech requirements and stuff. But is this uh, where things might be going? Yeah. I mean, I was listening to Todd Cochran over on uh, the New Media Show, and he was saying, "Look, I've got a Shoutcast server. It's not being used most of the time. Do you want to jump on it?" In fact, with my radio station, that's what we did. We had a Shoutcast server from a company called Radio King, and all mm. of our shows were broadcast using something called Butt on our local laptops. Butt stands for <laughs> bro- broadcast using this thing. Um, it's a great piece of free software, and it just allows you to connect a roadcaster directly through your laptop straight into a Shoutcast and out to the big bad world. Um, again, I think hosts should take some of that complexity and make it simple for people so yeah i really do hope they get on board with this as a new revenue stream yeah very nice uh no it sounds uh, really interesting uh, a couple of other techie things going on um bbc the bbc has said that they will remove open shoutcast streams for their radio stations uh they are basically uh, slapping you around the face and saying no you should be using our useless app called bbc sounds uh and you can't uh, have a listen on your preferred device because even though uh, you pay for our services and even though uh, in the UK if you don't pay for our services you will get taken to prison uh, we uh, won't allow you to have a listen to uh, our stuff on a shoutcast server anymore so tough um, that's basically how that's going to work I think that's a fair and um, not at all biased uh, view uh, there Sam XBBC uh, <laughs> very quickly though you might know more about this than I do I, I, I knew about shoutcast nicecast but I came across HTTP live streaming or HLS technology from Apple. Not heard about it, but that's what the BBC wants to be moving to uh, as a means of live broadcasting. Is this something you've played with at all, James, in your radio world? Yeah, I mean, HLS is um, a pretty old te- technology. I mean, uh, j- just to put a little back, a little bit of background on this, I was working at the BBC in uh, 2007 to 2009, and they were talking about turning Shoutcast off back then. So the fact that they've spent so long waiting uh, is, uh, I think, testament to how fast the BBC moves, although I did very successfully nearly get to turn off the real audio streams. Um, that was left to my successor. Um, but uh, yeah, gosh. Um, wow. But anyway, um, so HNS is, is really interesting, actually. It's uh, chunked uh, audio. So basically, instead of giving you a old-fashioned stream, as you get with uh, Shoutcast, all that it basically does is it chunks um, bits of audio up to, you know, five-second little chunks, and then uh, runs a little program on your device that pulls those individual files files together um, and stitches them together to allow you to listen to a radio station almost live. And it works really well. The benefit of doing that is that you can uh, switch between different uh, bandwidths and different uh, audio qualities, depending on how good your uh, your uh, connection is. But the other benefit is that um, because you are essentially stitching together a live stream from a bunch of uh, static files, it allows you to um, go back and listen to this show from the start, for example. Example, um, so you can you you can do some quite useful things with it. It's undoubtedly better technology, 
the question uh, I think I have is how much does it really cost the BBC to run uh, the shoutcast servers that it does? And um, is this... um, is this a cost-cutting exercise, or is this actually just a um, another grab for your audience data through the BBC Sounds app? And uh, my understanding is that it is the latter. It's basically them wanting to get as much usage um, of their app that they possibly can. The HLS and Dash streams, what the blog post that they've put up there doesn't say... Uh, is that you will need to sign an agreement to use those. So those won't be open for anybody to use. You'll need to actually go and sign a distribution agreement with the organisation if you want to actually use those on your on your hardware. So, um, you know, it's one more example, unfortunately, of the BBC um, going against open technology, which is a great shame, I think. Mm. Oh, well, more people leaving the BBC then. Now, uh, moving on, um, Livewire, the validator that you use on Pod News, now validates the podcast TXT tag. Yes, uh, and uh, which is uh, really good. Uh, it's a great validator, so well worth uh, taking a look at. Uh, Libsyn has um, announced a, u- a new user interface. Um, I-, I don't see really where that new user interface is, but perhaps it's there and, and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, they've also announced integration of Libsyn Studio, which is something that we spoke about on this very podcast around uh, three or four weeks or so ago. Um, But, uh, you know, they are uh, certainly moving on uh, there, which is nice. Um, Apple Podcasts has a fantastic social post generator where they've all of a sudden realised that there are more countries uh, out there than just the English-speaking ones. So the tool now deals with 13 new languages. If you want to advertise Apple Podcasts, I mean, advertise your podcast, um, (laughs) then you can use that particular uh, tool uh, as well. Well, um, uh, there's a piece of work from uh, PodTrack, uh, which is uh, really interesting, I think. I didn't know that they were um, basically storing global rankings for every single show in PodTrack. Um, but that's what they've been doing for a while. They obviously only publish the US numbers, um, but they've got global numbers in there as well. And I'm curious to find out whether that uh, information might be available to publish in the future. Uh, Who knows? But anyway, they uh, are now uh, showing you those in your account. If you're a paid PodTrack user, you need to be a Grow Your Show subscriber, apparently, whatever that means. Uh, And it also includes historical show-level rankings uh, as well. Indeed. Now, last, uh, PodLove, PodCloud and Castapod put out a press release this week with a transistor saying they all support OP3, which is brilliant news. And I thought I'd reach out to Benjamin Bellamy to find out what they've been doing and how easy it was to implement OP3. But we also had a wonderful conversation because of Castapod about how they're doing as well now that ActivityPub seems to be back in flavour and what's going on with cross-comments. Adores, the company that uh, developed Castopod, the podcast hosting uh, solution that we are developing, and some others, PodCloud, PodLove, and Transistor. We, from now on, we are supporting OP3. What is OP3? To make it very simple, OP3 is a system that allows you to get analytics for your audience measurements as a podcaster or as a hosting company. Okay, so it's the Open Podcast Prefix project, which I've... 
always found a mouthful, which John Spurlock initiated back in the summer. Why did we need OP3? It's not that we need OP3 because there are many systems that are already working right now for audience measurements. For instance, there is one embed in Castopod. So we already provide a system for analytics for a podcaster who are using Castopod. There are many others. We hear a lot about IAB V2, which is not a tool, but a standard for audience measurement. There are many others. We know Chartable, who was bought by Spotify, their PodTrack. The thing that is a real game changer about OP3 is that it is open source. So everyone can see and check how it works and what data it fetches and how it was developed. Because OP3 is also very nice to your private data. So it does not collect a huge amount of data, just what is necessary. And it is RGPD compliant. And it is also open data, meaning the data are available to everyone. So eventually it, it will allow the whole industry to have very good uh, data and numbers that will allow everyone to compare, to see. But since the data is open, you are sure that you won't have to pay for a subscription to get your own data back, which is something that we already saw in the podcasting industry. So you'll be able to get really interesting data about the whole ecosystem. Yeah, that's the goal, isn't it? I suppose the big elephants in the room, Apple and Spotify, have their own vast data and they don't make that publicly available, whereas the rest of the ecosystem is working together to try and create an alternative data source for measurement. Now, how hard was it to implement OP3? So, just before talking about implementation, but what you just said, yeah, the problem about uh, Apple and Spotify having their own system is that first, it's a closed silo. So you don't know what's in there. You have no access to it. And you don't know if you can really compare them together. So having a system that is like in between or connecting all the dots together allows you to make real comparisons between different systems. And it's, it's free because you could say that, yeah, with Chartable, uh, it's the same. Basically, it works the same way. So you could have the same data. Yeah, but if you want, you won't be able to compare data with Chartable because it's not open at all. So the fact that it is open data is the game changer here. Now, regarding implementation, as a, a podcast hosting company or a podcast hosting solution, it's very easy. It's it just another prefix system. I think that some, some podcast hosting solution already allow you to use it because their podcast prefing system is generic in a sense that you can use anyone you want to. So it cannot be easier to implement it, actually. Good. That's what we'd like to hear. Now, changing tack slightly. So one of the things that we've interviewed you throughout 2022 is for your work with ActivityPub and the open standards that you've been working on there with Castapod. Also, your work behind cross comments, which is using the Activity Pub protocol. So you must be very happy with all that's been happening in the last couple of months with the 
resurgence in Mastodon, the, the decentralization of conversations across away from Twitter. Have you seen much activity for Castapod and an uplift in activity with cross comments? Yeah, definitely, of course. This drew many attention on to Castapod because there were only a few of us knowing about the Fediverse and ActivityPub and Mastodon before Twitter was bought by Elon. So the fact that some people are now worried about this and looking for alternatives, yeah, it's a good thing for us. Right now, there are more and more people on the Fediverse, not necessarily Mastodon, but also on Pleroma and Selfed. Mobilizon, Funk Whale, there are systems on the Fediverse. Castopod is just one of them. So the fact that people are now interested in, in that and wondering what, what is this about? Why is it so complicated? There must be a reason why. And actually, there is a reason why. Is that, well, you, you can choose the entry points f from where you'll connect to the Fediverse, and then you'll be able to grab information from everywhere. So definitely, yes, we, we saw many new users interested in that. I can give you some numbers. We communicate on many social networks, on Twitter, of course, and on Mastodon as well. And on Mastodon, we, we used to have like 1,000 followers, and now we have 2,000 within like three weeks. It took like two years for the first thousand. So that, that gives you an idea of how quickly things are evolving right now. So from my understanding, within Castapod, you've already obviously integrated cross comments so that when somebody creates a podcast episode, they can put a URL link for where the comment thread will go. Is this something that is going to come to other hosts, you think, now? I mean, I know Buzzsprout are looking at it. I know a few other hosting companies looking at it. What do you well, think? I think it should. I don't know if it will, but I think it should, definitely. The thing behind CrossCommon is that we, we needed to make somehow a link between your community on the Fediverse and your community on the podcast links, listening apps so that a user listening to a podcast on a, a mobile phone using a specific app, let's say, I don't know, a Podcast Addict, needed a way to know where to interact because Podcast Addict doesn't know about the Fediverse and doesn't know where the entry point is. So the cross-comment tag at the beginning was here to allow that, to say, hey, this is where the interaction takes place. It can be on the Fediverse, but it can be something else because the Fediverse is not the whole universe. It's just a small part of it. And the idea behind this is that a podcaster should be free to choose where he or she wants to interact with the audience. And that's what this is about. So, of course... Having developed Castopod, which is on the Fediverse, we implement the cross-command apps on the Fediverse, but you can have many other things. One thing when I look back at the W3 standard for ActivityPub, I notice that the way that it's described is an inbox-outbox mechanism, much like a, an email more than a comment thread. Would it have been better because we've got boostergrams as well would it have been better to have called this cross messaging i mean i'm just speculating because of the analogy of 
I guess, the email string that it looks like, at samsethi at podcastindex.social. Was that ever a consideration or was it always going to be a comment? I must admit, I'm really bad with giving names. So, yeah, maybe cross comments is not the best. I, I haven't thought about that. Regarding the boostergrams, I think we have two different use cases here. Uh, boostergram is made so that you can uh, interact real time from the audience to the podcaster, whereas the cross comment is uh, on a more slow pace, allowing listeners to interact together. The, the comments here are here to stay so that eventually you, you may have a look at, oh, who commented on this podcast episode like three weeks ago. So uh, use cases are not the same. Now, is CrossCommand the best name that we could come up with? Yeah, probably, I don't know. But I think we need the two of them, that's for sure. The whole idea behind the CrossCommand tag is just to allow podcasters to to be able to interact with their audience and the listeners to interact together with no middleman, with no one being able to cut you away from your audience. I can see the difference. Now, finally, what is needed or what will happen in activity pub stroke podcasting stroke mastodon to make this easier? Is it just an implementation time frame, or is there some of the complexity that can be made even easier. Oh, it's thought. the usual chicken and egg problem here because you need podcaster to use it and you need hosting company to use it and then you need the listening hub to use it and it's a cross comment tag. If you have only one app and one server that are using it, it you don't get anything new from that. So you may as well implement it on your local server and that's it. So it's going to take time and you need to convince as many listeners and podcasters and hosting companies and podcast hub developers to implement it. And when we talk about ActivityPub, it's not the easiest protocol to implement. So it's, yeah, it will take time. But I'm pretty confident that eventually it will prevail. To sum up, really, Benjamin, OP3, it's in the latest build of Castapod now. It's already live. Yeah, it or is. is there a, an update that has to happen? It's live. Brilliant. And uh, obviously, Cross Comments is live as well. So where can people, if they want the latest version of Castapod to go and try all this, where would they go? Castapod.org. They'll find everything there. Lovely. Benjamin, thank you so much. Congratulations and happy Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Benjamin Bellamy from Adores and Castapod. Uh, and uh, really interesting hearing from him. Uh, and of course, I should point out that Captivate also supports OP3 uh, in its uh, interface as well. And in case Todd is listening, yes, absolutely. Uh, Blueberry supports any uh, prefix uh, platform that there is out there. Uh, that's not the same as directly supporting OP3, which is what this uh, story is all about of uh, OP3 actually appearing as a tick box in the podcast um, uh, back end. So uh, that's what uh, all of this uh, is all about. But uh, really good to see those particular companies there. 
A uh, few things going on uh, around the world. Um, one of them is um, I've been storing for the last two years geolocation information about press releases. Um, and you might ask why. Um, well, I was curious why? to find exactly. out. Exactly. I was going to ask why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was curious to find out where the podcast industry is actually based uh, in terms of where the, um, the press releases that I get are from. And I finally got round after talking to Chris Kremitsos, actually, of um, the uh, PodFest uh, conference, which is next month in uh, Florida. Finally got round to producing a programmatic map of where the press releases are coming from. Obviously, Los Angeles and New York are where a lot of them come from, as well as from uh, Florida as well, which is where... Buzzsprout, our sponsor, is based. Um, if you look into the UK, I thought that all of the news that we covered from the UK would be from London or from Manchester, but it's not. It's from all over the place, which is really interesting to uh, see. Uh, and also looking at uh, Australia, um, Melbourne and Sydney are the two um, big magnets of uh, podcast news. Uh, so, you know, uh, j- just um, an interesting piece of, um, of uh, tech there that I uh, threw through together one evening uh, and it is uh, being updated uh, automatically uh, every single day. James, you and the mere mortals need to put out more press releases. How can you be losing to Sydney? Well, it's, yes, I mean, you know, Sydney, it's, uh, yes, it's, uh, I was there, yes, a couple of weeks ago. It's very dirty, very loud. Um, uh, OSHA's had a good uh, year. They say that they have now more than 10,700 podcasts on the platform. Weirdly, I can only see 6,000 in the podcast index. I'm sure that there's a good reason for that. And they've achieved 167 million downloads in 2022, uh, which is good. Some very, very beautiful projections and ads for Amazon Music, who managed to uh, promote their shows right across London um, by projecting those ads onto places in London, uh, very close to St Paul's Cathedral or the Millennium Bridge, very close to um, uh, Oxford Street, um, you know, all this kind of stuff. Really smart pieces of work. So um, if you missed that, that was on Monday, you should definitely have a look at uh, pod news for that day. It's the first pod news that I've ever written that has been too long for Gmail. Uh, so sorry. So there's a Didn't thing. Know there was a limit. Yes, uh, yes. If if you, you if, if if you're right enough, then Gmail basically says, "Oh no, this is too long. Oh. You have to press another button to keep on reading." So it's uh, bless you, Gmail. Good to see the marketing people at Amazon having to spend their budget before the end of the year. So let's go and stick. Well, uh, to to be fair, it's the marketing people at Amazon in the UK who finally managed to pry some money out of the US, uh, which is more to the more to the point. Fair I wanted call. to write something about um, uh, how much work Amazon had been doing here. They also had uh, a lot of advertising in Paris. And so how much work uh, Amazon was doing uh, in Europe uh, in terms of marketing uh, as opposed to Apple. Uh, but then I thought, uh, no, I'll just come over as being grumpy and anti-Apple. Uh, so probably don't want to end up doing that. Um, and in Australia, Mamma Mia has joined the Australian... Didn't they send you an iPhone again this year, James? <laughs> they have never sent me an iPhone or indeed anything. Uh, so there we are. Even when I went to visit their offices in in uh, in LA, which I can't talk about because I've signed an NDA, um, but I can tell you that I got no goodies, not even a sticker. 
There we go. What what more oh. do you expect? Um, and then finally, in, in Australia, uh, Mamma Mia, which is uh, the number one female-focused podcast network uh, in this country, they've joined the Australian podcast ranker and then sent me a press release saying that they were the number one um, uh, pure podcast company in the Australian podcast ranker, which was nice. So now we've got three number ones because uh, I also got a press release from uh, SCA, from uh, Listener, and from AR. Friends, iHeart Podcast Network, who who all said that they were number one, uh, which is uh, very nice. I didn't even bother copying and pasting them uh, for this time, but uh, um, but uh, always always interesting when you get multiple people claiming that they're all uh, number one. Um, but uh, yes, it's uh, news from around the world. Let's look at some events that are coming up for your diary. Uh, Podfest Expo, where your voice matters. Get yourself over to Orlando in Florida for January the 26th if you want to be there. I know Mark Asquith's going to be there. I'm sure the boys from Buzzsprout will be there as well, as it's in their backyard. Yeah, and they are really spending a, a lot of time uh, at that particular uh, conference doing um, more for um, serious podcasters. So they are pretty well known for people who are brand new to the podcasting world, um, but they're also doing uh, a lot more around serious, you know, established uh, shows as well. So it's well worth taking a look at that. Uh, it's not long now, uh, just over a month um, in uh, Orlando and Florida, which should be at least uh, slightly warmer. Uh, than the rest of the US uh, is. Uh, there's Podcast Movement Evolutions, of course, in Las Vegas in early March, which I'm going to. There's also Radio Days Europe, which is in Prague this year at the end of March, which I'm going to. And the podcast show in London, uh, which is May the 24th to the 25th, uh, which uh, should be very good. And uh, both Sam and I are going to that too. And there are more events, both paid for and free at Pod News, virtual events or events in a place with people if you're organising something tell the world about it it's free to be listed at podnews.net slash events boostergram boostergram corner 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 on the pod news weekly review well, we've got a couple of boostergrams here, haven't we, Sam, that you have um, uh, pulled out of your Albi account. Uh, and the very nice Dave Jones uh, has uh, let me off uh, for not knowing that Rush <laughs> was a Canadian band, I think. Well, he did send you a Rush boost, 2112. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're not rockers, Dave. So clearly, uh, well, I'm not. I don't know about you, James. I've never asked you a musical taste, actually. How was your Kylie collection? Um, but no, <laughs> I'm not a rock. I'm an R&B man, so I wouldn't know where Rush came from or what they sing. So, but anyway, thank you for your boost. Yes, thank you for the boost. He says, uh, for a moment, I thought you referred to Rush as prog rock bollocks. I did. But clearly you must have been referring to Genesis. Oh, uh, English band, of course. Uh, at least some of them. Critic. Uh, so, uh, yes, dreadful. Uh, and to the uh, Justin at the Optimal Living Daily Podcast, please add to the getyourown.com, that's right, Todd Fund. Also waiting to hear Sam's impression as well. This is uh, where I impersonate uh, Todd and Rob from the new media show uh, podcast, getyourown.com. That's right, Todd. I actually got <laughs> Todd saying, you've reminded me, I've got Todd saying... 
getyourown.com. That's right, James. I've actually got that now. <laughs> he said that on a Geek uh, on a Geek News Central podcast uh, a couple of days ago, and I mean to go in and clip that. So you've reminded me to end up doing that. Uh, it's a good podcast, and many congratulations to Rob, of course, for moving and getting a uh, new and exciting job at Podbean. Mm. Now, my impressions are pretty awful. Uh, I do an Indian accent really well, but it sounds Welsh after about 30 seconds. So um, I don't know what you can say about that. I should hope you do an, English, <laughs> an Indian accent really well. I know, but <laughs> whenever I start, I eventually end up going into this Welsh accent. And then so <laughs> maybe I'll just do Tom Jones, the Indian version. There we go. Well, there you go. Well, this has been a long, long, long show, uh, but, the be- but the benefit is that we have chapters. And the other benefit is, uh, if you've not already worked this out, uh, it's holiday time. So we are coming back in 2023. This is the last for 2022. Um, uh, what day should we come back on next year then, Sam? Well, you had a little report from Podchaser who've analysed what's the best day to publish your podcast based on your category. And sadly, it says, for news and business podcasts, the most popular days are Monday through Thursday and not Friday, James. So maybe we need to have a review of what day we publish this podcast. Well, no, I don't think we should. Um, uh, The Podchaser data was interesting because it was basically, it didn't necessarily say what what day do shows do best. It said what day do shows in your podcast genre release new episodes. So it's basically data around just when people publish new episodes. Whereas Dan Meisner did some really good work, which was both when people release episodes over the holiday time and when people consume episodes over the holiday time as well. It's a great piece of work on the Bumper website. Should your podcast take a break for the holidays? Uh, it's probably not what it's called, but that's what I called it in the Pod News uh, newsletter. Um, but uh, basically, he says, if you decide to release podcast episodes um, towards the end of this month, know that it's a quieter but less crowded time of the year. Your downloads will likely soften a bit. And by soften a bit, I think he means go down. And and actual consumption will likely be lower than at other times of the year. So, uh, but it's a really good piece of, um, you know, research into both when people release shows over the holiday period, but also when people consume shows over the holiday period. Well worth a read. Uh, you'll find that at wearebumper.com. Well, we decided to create this show as a double show, it feels like. I think we're into the second hour nearly, James, if we're not careful. So, uh, yes. But if you've got value from any of this, uh, then, uh, or you just like to send us a gift for the holidays, uh, then the Pod News Weekly Review is separate from Pod News. Sam and I share everything from it. We really appreciate your support so that we can continue making this show. You can support us with cash at podnews.net slash weekly support. Or you can support us with sats by hitting the boost button in your podcast app. If you don't have one of those, podnews.net slash new podcast apps will help you find a new app like Fountain, for example. Uh, have you been lunching with anybody exciting this week, Sam? Well, you know, me and my lunches, James, I've got to keep them up. Yeah, I went out with the head of AWS Europe, who's my old boss. So, yes. Uh, oh, so I've paid for that then. How? Oh, yes. Through your subscription. Yes. Well, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, because I spent I spend so much with AWS and I spend it all in Dublin. Oh, right. Well, so uh, thank you yeah. for the uh, fine bottle of red wine and very nice, uh, 
very nice steak that I had with it. Yes, thank you, James. Yeah, who else did you uh, d- did you talk to apart from your unnamed old boss? Uh, yeah, um, well, I can, I, I can, no, I won't name him. I won't name him. That's not fair. Um, uh, also, um, I caught up with Oscar Murray from Fountain. We had a wonderful chat. We went to the fifth floor of Waterstones, just off Piccadilly. It's a secret little uh, cafe up there if you ever want to go to it. Yes, it's lovely up there, isn't it? It is yes, nice. It's very good. Very excellent cocktails, I seem to remember. Yes, well, they did. We 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 were very happy. Um, it was mm. cocktail hour. No, and uh, yeah, we talked about what Fountain's doing, and we talked about the attention economy and micropayments, and yeah, where we think twenty twenty three is going to be. So yeah, it was a very lovely chat. Was he wearing a woolly hat? He did come in with a woolly hat because it was very cold. But yes. Um, and I still don't quite understand why Oscar's avatar for everything he does is a cartoon crayon of him, but there you go. Yeah. I didn't ask him that question, so yeah. there you go. James, what's been happening for you? Come on. <laughs> well, there we are. Uh, I, I think um, uh, I've been having great fun um, uh, piling through all of the data around the Apple Podcasts top uh, podcasts around the world um, and looking at the different data uh, that is uh, there. It's, um, you know, obviously the biggest podcast app in the world and therefore, you know, that's important information. Um, and so uh, I've been uh, enjoying playing around with that um, and also enjoying having chats with various people, um, recordings for various podcasts which will be coming out in the next uh, couple of weeks, including one with uh, Oxford Road in the new year where I'm very rude about the IAB, possibly too rude. Um, so I'm rather hoping that they're going to edit, edit that out. But anyway, um, so that's been that's been great fun, basically. That's uh, that's that's my week. Uh, it's also been very very hot here. Sorry to rub it in, but it's been very very hot Thanks. here. So um, so I've been yes, uh, very much dressing down, as you can tell. Um, and yeah, that's I'll it for this week. Up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that's it for this week. Uh, you can give us feedback using email at weekly at podnews.net or you can send us a Boostergram. If your podcast app doesn't support Boost, then grab a new one from podnews.net forward slash new podcast apps. Congratulations for getting this far. This is our longest podcast ever. Our music is from Studio Dragonfly. Our voiceover is Sheila D. And we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout. Podcast hosting made easy. A happy Christmas to you all and a happy new year. We'll see you in the new one. Get updated every day. Subscribe to our newsletter at podnews.net. Tell your friends and grow the show. And support us. And support us. The Pod News Weekly Review will return next year. Keep listening. Keep listening.